Man in Line with Andy Wint. Faster by, get out to do. Welcome to Man in Line on Manx Radio, on air till one, open line. So whatever you want to talk about, you can. You can text on 166-177, email studio at manxradio.com, WhatsApp 166-177, if you have to stick 07624 in front of that, and call 661368. Just to reiterate, the mountain roads closed, obviously Faulty Will, Benny Park closed, don't have a word on when they're going to be open yet, but as soon as they do, we'll tell you. And just to reiterate that amber weather warning for ice and frost. So although it will stay cold today, temperatures slowly, slowly recovering to about five. Uh, of course, near or below freezing on the hills with accumulated and drifting snow freezing hard, uh, technically with a penetrating frost as well. At lower levels, most lying snow will soon turn slushy and melt in bright and sunny conditions. But of course, as the temperatures fall below zero Celsius under clear skies tonight, giving a widespread frost and any untreated damp or wet surfaces will turn to ice. Obviously, hazardous conditions on the pavements and the roads. It will stay icy overnight before temperatures gradually recover above freezing uh, early Saturday morning so just be aware of that and as you heard Lewis say flights have restarted at Ronald's Way Airport uh, we were chatting yesterday uh, about dentists and uh, issues that you may have with dentists and the fact that uh, there are thousands of people, 3,000 people on the list for a national health uh, dentist on the Isle of Man so we'll see exactly where we go with that. Uh, I did mention Monday. Uh, on Monday, the boss of Kroger Gas is going to be in, Richard Hubbard, who's the chief exec of Kroger now. These are the people who got the license for uh, the patch off Mackald uh, for the Kroger gas field and have just been recently raising money and hopefully want to go ahead and start drilling and bringing the gas ashore. There is opposition at the moment. Government is just saying, well, let's see what happens. But we'll see uh, exactly where that goes with Richard Hubbard. If you have any questions you want to put to Mr. Hubbard, you know, uh, the question being, you know, is the gas there? What's going to happen to it? Who's going to make the money out of it? Will the Isle of Man benefit? And where does it fit in with uh, a green agenda? It does it uh, more important? They say that it doesn't affect our biosphere status. So we'll be investigating that and more. Uh, Joe dropped a note. Yesterday we were also talking about the assistance a dying bill and also the fact that a suicide prevention strategy has been unveiled on the Isle of Man and Joe dropped a note in just to say I understand the arguments for euthanasia but I can also say uh, see that once in place that's Joe's word by the way the vulnerable and the infirm and the elderly will feel an obligation to die says Joe nobody wants to be a burden or to be an expense so what's stopping a distant family member trying to convince another family member 
uh, you know, because they may just need the inheritance or can't afford to fund treatments through austerity, society, governments, says Joe, become cold, callous and calculating. Furthermore, if you're terminally ill, but okay with living on through your illness, what about that through pressures from civil servants? says Joe. I don't know where he got that from, but it's Joe's view. Pressures from civil servants. People will be guided into a certain conclusion and designs. Targets to meet. That's Joe. Well, Joe, if you want to give us a call and tell us what you mean by that, uh, making some fairly extreme uh, points, um, I'm guessing you're not for Dr. Allenson's assisted dying bill. There are nuances, and it's something we're going to have to come to terms with, because one way or the other, that assisted dying bill will either become law or it won't be. Uh, I'm a member of the public, and I have no issue with the assisted dying bill. This is Texter 835. Um, uh, They need to realise that the bill will assist in end-of-life care for those suffering in unbearable pain and from incurable illness. So it's not down for people to decide on whether other people's end-of-life care, what, you know, what that should be. That's down to the individual. Nobody has the right or dominion over the body of another person. I fully support Dr. Allenson's assisted dying bill. It's necessary and fair for those who feel they require it. Well, it, that's a very serious subject, a very personal subject, and uh, if it's something you'd like to talk about, then by all means. Uh, and also, 117 said, you can't confuse the separation between suicide and assisted dying. Some people uh, obviously choose to have an assisted dying path because lots of people, Presumably, there will be the odd person from the Alman who may choose to go to Basel in Switzerland, where Dignitas is. So why do some people think they have the right to dictate to other people, says Sue, uh, whose circumstances they know nothing about and what, what they can do with their own lives? Assisted dying won't be on demand. It's possible that the counselling involved will actually prevent some people from going down the assisted dying route and getting them the help that they need. And uh, 281 said, assisted dying and suicide are two different things, completely different things. Text, email, call, WhatsApp. Oh, and regarding dentistry, 775 says, Andy, the dentistry holes on the island are huge. I know a lot of people have oral problems, which are made worse because we don't have enough oral hygienists on the Isle of Man. Um, if you're eating, I apologise for this, but I'm going to tell you anyway, what, Robbie dropped me a note in on 773. Yesterday, I had a tooth out on the top of my mouth. After I went home, I had a cup of tea and the tea came out through my nose. I went back to the dentist. He sent me to the hospital where a hospital dentist said it had burst through my sinuses. He had to cauterize and stitch it. He told me any problems with the top teeth go straight to the hospital. This I had to do again a few years later. An excellent dentist. Uh, This week I had to go again and was told at the hospital they didn't have a dentist, so I should see a dentist and they would advise me where to go, says Robbie. We mentioned yesterday that the dental bill, if you like, the the dental care portion of Manx Care is about 2%. 2%. And yet we still seem to be having problems getting dental, uh, you know, across the board dental care. And obviously Denplan and the various insurance uh, 
proposals and uh, systems come in. So I posed the question yesterday, do we have the right? Do you think we have the right? Is it our right or is it a privilege to get national health dentistry? Or do we now accept that you're going to have to pay and that's it? Um, lots of people sending us wonderful photos of the scenery, by the way. Really appreciate it. Really appreciate the photos today. The Isle of Man looks sensational and the blue of the sky reflects in the blue of the sea. Uh, with the uh, brilliant white snow on Snaefell and the plantations uh, poking through. Looks lovely. Uh, 901 said, what's this about an inheritance? Most people don't have any sort of inheritance. Uh, And I got a note in from, uh, this was... Jerry, oh sorry, Geraldine, who just said, Andy, you mentioned recently about a shortage of medicines, uh, a shortage of, uh, and the fact that the ph- there were pharmacy problems. Obviously, Lloyd's Pharmacy, which was bought out a few years ago, is having some sort of financial problems. And you said there was a shortage of medicines on the Isle of Man. What was that all about? I didn't catch it all. Well, it was Ian Hemmonsley, you know, Hemmonsley's Pharmacy on uh, Windsor Road. Uh, Ian is the spokesman for the Isle of Man Pharmacy Contractors Association. And the there's a shortage of uh, pharmaceutical products, really. It's attributed to the smaller number of suppliers who stock Isle of Man pharmacies. Deliveries can also take longer and obviously be affected by, guess what, disruption to the ferry sailings, which we've had. Uh, Ian Hemsley says Manx pharmacies are working together to share more available stock, so you're basically not left without important medication. Simon Richardson from the news team has been looking at this. Mr Hemmonsley, who operates a pharmacy in Douglas, says there's still a serious shortage of pharmacists, which is resulting in a number of pharmacies having to operate reduced hours or close for periods of time. The shortage is impacting on the full range of services normally offered, as pharmacies are having to concentrate resources on core dispensing services. Also, a shortage of locum staff is affecting their ability to cover holiday periods and sickness. Many pharmacists, especially those in owner-run businesses, are having to work much longer hours to ensure an uninterrupted medicine supply, a situation Mr Hemmonsley warns is unsustainable. The problems have been exacerbated by the decision of some locum pharmacists to take early retirement. There's also a gradual move of pharmacists into GP surgery roles, further reducing the availability to community pharmacies. Meanwhile, off-island agency charging rates have risen 50% since the start of the pandemic. They also require greater notice to be able to guarantee finding cover. The Isle of Man Pharmacy Contractors Association is currently in talks with Manx Care about possible solutions and additional support to try and ensure medicine supplies can continue uninterrupted. Well, that's the situation. If you're having problems at the moment, and uh, you've heard both Dr Allenson, who was our man in line last week, and uh, Mr Hooper, both Ramsey MHKs, obviously one's Treasury Minister, one's DHSE Minister, and they both talked about trying to get different uh, a different uh, pharmacy into the north of the Isle of Man because, uh, again, it's just something that we as the public are, are hoovering up. We're having to pick this up. The fact that you, you kind of expect a pharmacy to run 
efficiently and have enough stock um, obviously isn't the case. The, the pharmacies are having problems. Some are better adjusted to it than others, but uh, we are in this situation. Never thought that would happen. Valin Onken said, me and my husband are on Denplan and it costs fifteen ninety nine each a month. That's £32 a month you're paying for dental care. Do you think we've come to the point now where paying for dental care is something people just shrug their shoulders and say, well, I suppose that's what we've got to do now? Hmm. Uh, the assisted dying bill. Why bring us bring us on to us, TJ? How about those who don't trust the reasons behind all this? Can we debate it publicly? Hmm. Well, uh, thank you, TJ. If you want to come on the air and have a chat about that, by all means do. It, it's uh, it's a, just a very serious subject. It, keep on saying it's an individual subject. But once we have an assisted dying law on the Isle of Man, if we have an assisted dying law on the Isle of Man, has that opened Pandora's box? Do you think it's something where, you know, what happens if in five years' time we decide it's not a very good idea? What happens then? Anyway, thoughts on it. Uh, those people who are in favour of uh, assisted dying should be prepared to administer the poison to kill someone, says John. Why would they expect someone else to uh, to do it? I don't know quite what you're advocating, John, but thanks for that point anyway. Lots of points about uh, assisted dying. So, well, if you want to, you know, if there's something you'd like to chat about, then by all means do. Tell us what it is. Uh, here's a message. Uh, some people have rejected the planning application, which is still pending for the Paul Dewey Fields in Ramsey. This is 220679 stroke B. Some people have rejected the planning. The Manx Wildlife Trust has opposed the planning, yet Ramsey Town Commissioners have given a no comment, says uh, this uh, WhatsApper on 232. The paths through the fields have been in constant use for over 40 years and should be a protected right of way. Um, so uh, these fields are set in an area that's grown into an ecologically important and sensitive area for plants and animals. So if we lost this open green space, it will be a crying shame, guaranteeing a negative impact on the nature reserve. Well, thank you, 232. Thank you for that point. If it's something that uh, bothers you, remember, there's also another one going through. Or there was, uh, I think it was on Tuesday, was a public consultation at the town hall in Ramsey for the new... Uh, development that's happening uh, out on the Bride Road in Ramsey. You got thoughts on that? Tessa uh, Teresa, she is. Tessa Teresa uh, said to me, I heard Devon Watson from Douglas Borough Council talking about flats in Douglas being in unin uninhabitable. I know, says Tessa, I live in one. Uh, what was Devon Watson on about? Uh, Devon Watson was talking about social housing being underfunded and any plans to sort the problem out should be across the Isle of Man. So Devon Watson, the Douglas councillor, he says the local authority, Douglas, has put in place measures to try and prevent people from being missed and um, obviously dealing with decades' worth of problems. The fact is that... Um, and again, the problems they have with damp and, if you like, uh, fungal growth in public sector housing is a problem that's been around for a long time. Whether it's been sorted, 
We've never really had a definitive answer. Um, our local democracy reporter is Emma Draper. Emma's been speaking to the chair of the Housing Committee, Douglas Councillor Devon Watson. I think what, what we're dealing with as uh, social housing authorities is decades worth of, of underfunding and there are decades of decisions that we're now trying to deal with and correct. And the longer you leave maintenance issues, the, the longer they've last. So we've worked with the Department of Infrastructure to increase maintenance budgets for this year and upcoming years, which should reduce the number of these cases. And secondly, we've introduced new reporting systems in the council so that if you do have issues with black mold, you report them, someone will come out, they will visit you, they will discuss. I encourage everybody who does have issues with this to reach out not only to housing at douglas.gov.im but also reach out to your local councillors reach out to your MHKs if you feel like the issue isn't being addressed hold local government accountable and and hold the government accountable if you don't feel like your things are being addressed but in future what we do need to do as well is we need to address the core issue which is the fact that social housing is not given the adequate funding that it needs it's not given the adequate attention and priority by government that it needs which means that maintenance issues are are inevitable and what also means as though that when we want to move people to more suitable accommodation, that is a much, much more difficult task. Every week we have allocation meetings where we have to choose who gets housing and who doesn't. And sometimes we'll have to choose between does someone get housing if they're homeless or if they have to be moved out of a derelict property. And until we properly fund social housing, these issues will persist and that's what we need to be working with central government to address. How did this person manage to slip through the gaps? Is it something on his half or is it something that you think possibly the council ignored or wasn't brought to their attention soon enough. With individuals like this or in, in cases like this, the council is aware of, the, of these folks and we have been working with these people for a number of years and I think that it's important that we report on these issues responsibly and allocate that and work very closely with them to sort of ensure that their needs are, are met. And that's something that we have been doing and within the capacity of the resources we have, it's something that we've been doing. There are certain things that we've implemented to deal with this long term. So what we've done is we've issued housing letters with guidance on how to prevent mold from accumulating in homes. We've given people advice on how to properly adequately clean their homes. We've implemented new reporting procedures and we will be issuing a 10-year plan fairly shortly that looks to address the issues of old housing stock. We've got housing stock that's around since the 1890s and some of that means that they will have a much higher requirements to them. So it needs to be an entire island approach in terms of how we deal with social housing and how we beat the housing crisis. What do you think about that? That's uh, Devon Watson, Chair of the Housing Committee at Douglas and dealing with public sector housing and again comes back to money everything comes back to money in the end and lots of it is public money we have a shortage of housing on the Isle of Man lots of people are in private rented accommodation and the cost of rented accommodation continues to rise and prevent some people getting onto the housing ladder so we're storing up trouble for ourselves if you got an idea of how we can solve that you'll be a millionaire you could you probably get elected to keys I've just seen uh, the information that you gave us. This is Karina said uh, about school meals. Uh, my daughter's in year six and the time she gets in for lunch, there's nothing left. I honestly don't know why. I don't understand why this is. They ask children every morning what they'd like and give them a wristband to indicate this. She's starving by the time I pick her up. She's only on school meals, um, as her friends are. I feel sorry for the kids who are on free school meals, as the parents thinks, uh, think the children have a hot meal at lunchtime. But they don't. 
they've cut things like sweet corn, tuna, veg and cheese, the jacket potatoes are now half a potato. How does a child in reception need the same size meal as in year six? Sorry for the rant, says Karina. No, by all means, rant, Karina. I think it's disgusting, not to mention the fact that uh, dinner ladies no longer wear gloves now, says Karina. If they're cutting the meal size, why hasn't the price been cut? I honestly think uh, that uh, they should take a photo of the portion sizes and show the parents so we know what our children are getting during the day. Tim Glover, uh, the Arbury Castle Town of Malou, MHK, one of them, uh, said he thought that it was down to cost-cutting, not diet, that they were uh, cutting the size of meals. Uh, to to save money, so if you uh, well, of course you're off school today. So if you got a, a an insight into this, are school meals bigger, better, smaller, or worse than they were? By all means, get in touch. I wish to remain anonymous. Well, you are anonymous then, person. But this is with regard to school meals. I work in a school dining room and confirm that portion sizes have been reducing for over eighteen months now. Having been told to reduce them again before half-term, some children can end up with very little. Uh, Mrs Edge says they're only allowed one portion of carbs now. I think that's nonsense. They've taken away from the salad bar, they've taken the sweet corn, the pasta, the noodles, the cheese and the tuna. The fruit provided is negligible and it often runs out when the last years come in for dinner. We're even being asked to omit vegetables as an accompaniment to some meals. Children are being told to take more bread to fill up. This isn't carbs issue. This is all about budget. And now, as uh, Mrs Edge confirmed reduced portion sizes due to carbs, why then hasn't the cost of school meals reduced to reflect this? Surely this is nonsense. I'm sure prisoners at Jerby get more food than our children at school. King-size beds for the price of a double. Free pillows and a mattress protector with every purchase. And amazing savings on the finest brands. No, you're not dreaming. This month, it's a sleep spectacular at Lifestyle Furniture. From divine divans to luxurious mattresses from the world's leading manufacturers, discover the bed of your dreams in our sleep sanctuary. Sleep spectacular at Lifestyle Furniture. Find us at Snugbra Trading Estate Union Mills. You can get the best of everything, and the price is just as nice. Oh, I'm so glad we went to Pace Setter. The perfect shower, some great tiles, all the accessories we needed. They had it all. Amazing ranges from traditional to modern, many exclusive to Pace Setter. Get your bathroom on song. Visit the Pace Setter showrooms at Harris Terrace and Spring Valley. You can get the best of everything. Where the price is twice as nice. Nearly as good as me. Morning. Let's get this Island Fuels show on the road. Bye. See you next time. That's the Jackson household topped up for winter. All done. That's the school heating sorted and a few more homes. A nice bit of lunch then back to the depot. So it's the plant and machinery this afternoon and a couple of farms out in the sticks later. Ready for home now. Good job done. Trust Island Fuels for great service, well delivered. Order today. Call Island Fuels on 247 645. Tanya Dolores, shoes and accessories fabulous new shop at 72 Parliament Street, Ramsey, is now open. Come down and take a look at our new men's shoe department and the even bigger ladies' shoe collection, along with a superb choice of accessories for all. 
open Monday to Saturday at 72 Parliament Street, Ramsey. Tanya Delores Shoes and Accessories. The perfect style, the perfect fit. Perspective this week is the Legco Hustings Part 2. Manx Radio recorded the meeting organised by the Liberal Van and Party a few weeks ago and with the Legco elections just days away we hear for the final time the thoughts and views of the MLC hopefuls. There are some cracking questions and one or two surprising answers so well worth a listen. That's all on Perspective this Sunday at 12 noon with me, Phil Gorn on Manx Radio. By this time next week, hopefully, all four available places will be filled in the Legislative Council and we can settle back to discussing other weighty political matters. Anything much been happening? The Man in Line with Andy Wint. Pastor my good afternoon. 29 minutes before one. Sunshine and snow today this Friday lunchtime. And Eddie's with us. Hi, Eddie. Uh, hi. I was just listening to our health, health, um, housing chairman of Douglas Corporation. Yes. I'd just like to say to him that on Johnny Watson's Lane is, is two houses. One has been empty for two and a half years. One's been empty for seven years. Uh, they've just boarded up all the bottom parts of it because somebody broke a window. Uh, Madison Road, there is ten empty houses unfit for human habitation. Uh, and he says they've got no houses to let to people. Why are they un, un, unfit for human habitation? Uh, I don't know. That's what uh, I was told. That's what's happened. Oh, they've just been certified. Uh, you, can, you, can go, you can go and have a look at them. They're just all lying there empty. And you've got young people who are screaming out and, and crying for housing. And the ones that are seven years and two and a half years, do you know the reasons behind those? Nope. Oh, they've just well, been... at one reason, at once they, they were going to knock them down and put a road in there when they went and knocked all a lot of, a lot of Johnny Watson's close down. But now that's been put on the back boiler, so these two houses are just left lying there. You know, it, it, it's just, to me, I, I just can't work out what they're doing. He says that everybody is um, being looked after and all the rest of it. I, I don't feel they have. I mean, uh, the windows were broken on the Sunday. The police came on the Monday. The houses were boarded up on the Tuesday. It took me nine months in a corporation house to get me gutters cleared because the trees are right alongside the gutter. I said, cut the trees down, you won't have this problem. Uh, no, no, we don't cut trees down. So every year, basically, we are, we, we, the, the water is overflowing from the gutters and running down along the side of the house, which causes the damp. You know, right. you, you just you just can't think of how easy it could be to stop that problem. Okay, just and then to, to have to wait nine months to get it done. Yeah. You know. uh, just tell us again, th- th- these two that have been seven years and two and a half years, which street are they on? On Johnny Watson's. Uh, Johnny Watson. And the other ten are on Marathon Road. Yeah, Marathon Road, yeah. yeah well, and then, of course, you've got all the all the other houses when, when the uh, next phase is going to be for the... For the houses to be refurbished, all them houses most probably are lying empty as well. Because they haven't decided when they're going to do that, because they're concentrating on the, the new two-bedroom ones they're doing on Snapel Road, opposite the shops. Hmm. Well, we'll see how they get on with it, to Eddie. <laughs> yeah, let's hope so, mate. All right, thanks for One little thing before you go. Oh, yeah, go on. All right. World Oil, 
at the present time is the lowest it's been for a long time. And I've just come past one of the petrol stations, and our pe- petrol has gone up a penny. Work that one out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks for that. Have a good weekend. <laughs> and you, mate. All, All right, it. take care. And David's with us now. Hi, David. Hi, hi uh, Andy there. Just uh, really echo some of the thoughts that Eddie's just been on about. I know Eddie from well uh, past, although I live in Onkin now. He used to be a Williston lad. And uh, it's a shame these things do happen uh, and they can't get the councillors or the politicians to pull up stuff. But never mind, I was going to talk about the schools, you know, and the dinners and stuff like that. And I don't know whether the school governors, each of the schools now still exist and who they are. If they are, uh, or did the department take them over and it's become uh, the minister and the chief executive now that has all the powers. But... The school governors used to be, years ago, have some clout. They used to have some, uh, uh, find out what was going on within the school, the opportunity for the parents to meet the school governors, to say what's going on, about the improvements and so forth. And the other thing, uh, which I kick up about all the time, is is bringing on again uh, huts, uh, mobile huts instead of proper classrooms. They shouldn't be doing that. Now... Sorry to win, John, but uh, I wanted to go about the prison as well, because when I was in home affairs and did a sort stint in there, um, I met the governor at the prison, met some all sorts of people, and I can't remember what the little group was called now that actually, uh, actually, uh, if a prisoner wants to talk to somebody independently, there's a panel that they actually talk to. And one of the things I did notice and was involved in at the time is, before a prisoner was uh, let out, on license or whatever, they had to make, and this was one of the things that was definitely there, is they had to have a guaranteed that they had accommodation. So I, I just wonder where, where where's that slipped away, where, where that's gone now, because we're talking about government departments checking on to make sure Mr. A is coming out or Mrs. A is coming out, they're secure or they've got a family that they're going back to or whatever. And I don't know why this the, these gaps are happening. And then with, um, Mr. Thomas, who's head, he says it all the time now, Chris Thomas, he's head of the um, the housing board. And I still think he's got a conflict of interest because what they do in government and what people do outside in the private individuals is two different things. And it's unfair. It's, a, it's an anti-competitive practice. Just going back to um, uh, looking after ex-prisoners and getting people back into society, David, I think it's it, yeah. it, we just need to make our minds up how we're going to handle this because getting people who've transgressed and broken the law, getting them back into society is something we simply have to do. We can't turn our backs and not do it because A, it's bad for them and B, it's bad for us. It's bad for society. You don't want disgruntled members of society. You have to get them back into, you know, get them back into society and make them the best person that they can be. And point one is giving them accommodation. Well, that's it. The other thing, too, is I don't know whether uh, who is the political member now from Home Affairs that uh, looks after the prison and maybe the fire brigade. That's what they used to do in them days. But there was an actual crack and workshop up there. There was education facilities for uh, for prisoners. And uh, 
to do um, to get study and do stuff and uh, sometimes it's people just slipped, slipped off the rails or gone the wrong way and it's pulling them back and making sure that that comfort zone is there for them when they're back out just in case their family's not there anymore or the family don't want to know. And I mean, the other thing is, it's human nature. Some people make bad decisions. That doesn't make them bad people. <laughs> they just make bad decisions. Yeah, it's like uh, when I was a kid, um, uh, apples and pears and uh, especially plums were always fair game. Okay. Well, uh, I'll ask uh, Jane Paul Wilson this time next week. Jane Paul Wilson and Dan Davis are in the the top people from Home Affairs. Oh, yeah. So we'll ask yeah. him what's happening with that. Okay. And yeah, and ask him what the panel do now. And uh, there was it. It was a, uh, a script all the time before anybody went out. It was to make sure that they were going back to a family. They were going back to accommodation, and social services were involved then to see if they could get them a job. That was the other thing as well. Okay. All right. Thanks, All right. David. Take care now. Bye. All right. And we do have school governors, by the way. There are school governors knocking around. Certainly, I'm just looking at uh, Bratton Schools' uh, websites, uh, bratton.sch.im. You can see all the governors. They list who all the governors are. And most of the schools have got that information on their own websites, if you uh, if you want to find <laughs> that out. Uh, let's go to, uh, I think we've got Noble. Hi, Noble. Hello. No, it's Roland, actually. Oh, hi, Roland. Sorry about that. It's that (laughs) flipping uh, spell correct, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. Um, It's just a thing that I've just found out now. My son has just phoned me up, and he pre-booked the boat for this afternoon. They didn't didn't tell him whether it was sailing or not, so he's phoned up again now in the last half hour, and he paid £53 pre-booking yesterday or the day before. Yeah. And they're wanting another £48 off him. And where's he sailing from to? Haysham. Yeah. Haysham to here. Oh, Haysham to Elko, the 2.15 this yeah. afternoon. And they've upped the yeah, price. Yeah. yeah, and he's already paid, pre-booked it for £53. But they now want another £48. Good gr- Is he coming? Yes, is he coming? Yeah, is he, he's definitely coming over, though, is he? He's just going to have yeah, to Yeah, well, uh, if we pay the £48. <laughs> oh, well, that's the price, you see. Always on the payroll, Roland, you see. Yeah, yeah. Oh, right. But I, I can't work this out. It's sailing, as normal. Yeah. And the normal price quoted yesterday, which he paid, was £53. But the, this afternoon, when he's phoned up to check, because we told him it was going, he was... He was under the impression from, from the, their website that it wasn't. So we found out it was. So we've just phoned him and said it was sailing as normal. So he's phoned up to check himself because he doesn't believe us. And uh, they said, yes, it's sailing. But he, if and they want another if, £48. If he's got a ticket already, when are they going to charge him the extra £43? That's, that's what I can't work out. I mean, I know the Sea Packers. Uh, does some daft things sometimes and very expensive things, but I've never heard of that before. Right. Once, once you book a, book a sailing and you and you quarter the price and you pay it, that's it. That's well, uh, funny you should say that because I've I've come across the same thing myself personally. I'd booked to go on the Ben McCree uh, mm-hmm. across, and uh, they've now shifted the Ben McCree's uh, maintenance schedule, and the sailing I was going to go on now isn't happening. So I've been shifted to the Manannan, and I. I've been charged extra for that as well for the privilege. 
And of course, it's not your fault. Well, <laughs> you know, everything's what my fault. <laughs> okay. Apart, uh, apart from going to the mainland to live, what do we do? <laughs> uh, we we uh, grin and bear it. Okay, thanks, Roland. Yeah. Okay, you're uh, welcome. Good to hear from you now. Juan's with us on Man in Line. Hi, Juan. I've got this visual picture of you tobogganing down Douglas Head on the way home today, there's Andy. There's no snow. Let me tell you, there's no snow. Everybody, I mean, on Douglas Head, there's absolutely no snow, but we can see snow yeah. absolutely everywhere else. It's utterly bizarre. I'll get your picture for your Christmas cards while you can. I mean, but, uh, everywhere looks fantastic. Snaefell looks gorgeous. Everywhere looks white. The sea's blue as anything, and the sky as well. It really is picture perfect. But uh, we can't have a snowball fight with the residents of the Douglas Head Apartments anymore. Oh, well, I tell you, you can have a snowball fight. We've got some bad news here for you, Andy. But Bernie Moffat's giving you some terrible grief on his Manx Celtic site. So you can have a snowball fight with Bernie. What what's he said um, yesterday? Was that day before? Some of the bums up at Manx Radio need turfing out. And um, some of the, when was it? The claptrap coming off the man in line. And um, the new seats need filled for the for commercial radio. So I don't know. You've got a fan there, Andy. You've got a fan there, and and, and Bonzo put a like underneath it as well. So there we go. It's nice so to be wanted, some. isn't it? Oh yeah, some of the crackpots that ring in on the man in line. So there you go. Hi, Bernie, if you're listening. Nice, nice that you're listening in every day. <laughs> the, um, just touching on the um, the Matt Hancock um, emails. I, I take it you've seen them, Andy. That's come out about the the um, the, the COVID drama. Yeah, and. I just, um, I listened to, like I said, um, Laurie Hooper when I was questioning Laurie Hooper on Friday about, about things about the um, uh, vaccination process and everything. And now this stuff is starting to come out. And I think I've been saying that for quite some time on here. Um, I'd like to see our governments or our politicians on the right side of history when all this starts crashing down. And this kind of stuff is now the start of it all crashing down. And this is kind of why I ask these relevant questions to, to all these politicians, because they don't seem to be taking into consideration anything else that's happening. And a lot of people have condemned the, the, what's happened over the, you know, the course of the last three years. And, and granted, you know, people had to make decisions in the early days, but we've had long enough now to look at the, at the truth that's coming out and still no politicians want to take that on board. Now, whether that's they, they're not confident enough, they don't want to step out and, and make themselves heard. Um, but it's kind of worrying. And like I said, I'd like to see the politicians on the right side of history when this comes crashing down. Um now, going on from that, we've got um, uh, at the moment, I think if people look at the international news, uh, 19 odd nations trying to sign into this World um, Health Organization program where 19 nations, including the UK, and I would imagine the Isle of Man, but I stand to be corrected and hopefully so, um, are signing in or signing their sovereignties away um, to the World Health Organization for them to um, decide when there would be future lockdowns and pandemics and what vaccinations that you have to take 
uh, which is kind of worrying. And again, I ask these questions to our government of, of where we're going to go with this. Um, and everyone seems to pussyfoot around this situation, but it is actually happening. Um, you know, um, America is supposed to be signed into the UK um, to give this sovereignty away. Uh, and when you see these things come up like Matt Hancock, it only strengthens their case to maybe do this problem reaction solution maybe you know um, it's just kind of concerning when you look along the lines of where this is all heading with carbon credits climate lockdowns and I think this is why a lot of people are concerned about 15 minute cities and trying to link everything together with this digital vaccine passports and um, digital currency coming in and getting rid of cash I think people are, are starting to try and link this all together and I don't know whether they're coming up two and two or four or coming up with six I don't know but um uh, just putting that out there to are all you uh, looking to forward to the uh, the report that's going to be coming out I think it's back end of this year about uh, uh, the Man government's handling of the COVID uh, situation I'm very interested to see um, of, of where they go with that um, like all reports um, I mean this is obviously a report into the government about the government and their, their overreach etc so I mean many questions can be handled in such a way where they get the answers that they want I mean if you look at a lot of the consultation um, questions they they are angled in, in such a way where they get the answer that they want for, for, for doing it I mean there's very very clever smart people work in government which we are paying for um, to, to do all this in in like the um, the the AG's office, and I think it was mentioned the other day about um, uh, their, their you know public information officers etc. which they have up there. So um, yeah, I will be interested. I don't hold out much um, much hope on it, um, it, telling the full truth about it. But yes, I, I'll be interested to see where that's going. But with all this other stuff that's now coming out, and obviously this is all going to affect the Isle of Man and affect the people here. So um, I'd just be interested to see how this one goes. Okay. All right. Have a good weekend, Jewan. Cheers, Andy, and you. All right, all the best. This coming Monday, the chief exec of Kroger Gas is going to be our man in line. Now, the, the, depending on which side of the fence you jump, this is either the answer to all our prayers because it'll give us cheap gas and billions of pounds in income on the taxes that the government could put on our own gas field, or it's a bad idea and will set us back years in our green agenda. Well, we'll hear what the boss has to say. The chief exec of Kroger is on on Monday. Richard Hubbard is going to be here. And I mentioned uh, a week today, Jane Paul Wilson, MHK, the Minister for Home Affairs, Justice and Home Affairs, is on with our Chief Exec, Dan Davis. Uh, Dan was uh, the man who signed off the um, the uh, amber weather warning uh, protocol yesterday, so everything was shut. So we'll, we'll ask him about the snow as well while we're at it. But certainly, if you've got any questions regarding justice and home affairs, and they cover absolutely everything, obviously, constabulary, fire and rescue, civil defence the prison, lots, lots more. Um, so anything uh, where that's concerned. There's a message in from Peter who just said, I went to the uh, uh, public consultation for the um, new uh, future school, oh, sorry, the development at the Volan in North Ramsey as well. This is the Hartford Homes development. Did you go, anybody else go? Did you? What did you think to the public consultation at the town hall in Ramsey this Tuesday past for this proposed residential development. It's a big development at the Volan, uh, north of Ramsey on the Bride Road. Are you concerned about your eye health? 
Holmes and Davidson Opticians in Douglas are proud to offer the Idon Ultra Wide Field Retinal Imaging and Heidelberg 4D OCT systems, state of the art machines that allow early detection and management of eye diseases. Don't wait. Book your appointment today and ensure the health of your eyes with the best technology available. Call 676-230 or visit homesanddavidsonopticians.co.uk now. Above deck or below, Harbour Marine Services has all your boating needs in one place. From engine sails and servicing to charts, books, dinghies and trailers, electronics, navigation, ropes, rigging and safety. Over 2,000 square feet of stock to help you stay safe on the water. Call 822-995 or find us on Facebook. For all your chandlery supplies, set your course to Harbour Marine Services next to Castle Down Harbour. Our mum was incredible, unforgettable. She was our family. How do you give someone like her a fitting memorial? T.E. Cubbon found the way. They took our ideas and created the memorial and inscription that mum really deserved. We couldn't have asked for more. T.E. Cubbon, at the top of Broadway in Douglas and Hope Street, Castletown. Call 844-440, a family-run firm serving families for over 150 years. I didn't know where to turn to protect me and my children from my violent husband. My partner verbally abused me, controlled how much money I could spend and who I could talk to. But my advocate was compassionate and helped me with the police to stop the abuse. My advocate helped me to get a court order to protect me and stay in my home. If you need assistance, call Advocate Smith Torbitz Unsworth Limited on 677-888 or email reception at advocates.co.im. Max Radio's birthday list with ShopRite. If you or anybody you know is celebrating a birthday, then why not get them a shout-out on your Manx Radio? Because not only will they be thrilled and delighted, they also get a chance of winning a £100 ShopRite voucher to spend on anything they like. Text your shout-out to us, 166167, or email us, studio at manxradio.com. We'll do the rest, pop them on the list, and they could win that £100 voucher from ShopRite. Any show, any day, it's entirely up to you and I'll be doing the draw on Mark Tiley in the morning at the beginning of the following month. Good luck and get shouting out. The Man in Line with Andy Wint. Thanks to my take minutes before one got dozens of messages to get through so I'll barrel on just a question. Do NHS dentists, says Kelly, get paid less than private dentists because if that's so, it's blatantly obvious why you can't get NHS treatment. I'm on NHS, can't get a dentist haven't been on a list for years uh, so I had to go private be- to get seen very quickly cost me 400 pounds couldn't stand the pain says uh, Kelly uh, why does the James just say why does the other man not let school principals decide whether or not to close their schools they know their staff they know where they live rather than str- some strategic team of civil servants who use a sledgehammer to crack a nut and then no regards for business or anything else uh, everywhere else there's no such government intervention to blanket closures uh, so uh, it's a waste of money yesterday was paying people to sit at home and businesses suffered as if they're not already suffering I thought it was a bad decision uh, yesterday says James well you can ask Dan Davis next week he's on he was part of the team I think he was the boss he's the chief exec who made the decision uh, I've just in the last few weeks become a state pensioner I worked for 48 years with no gaps paid NI for all 48 years and I um, haven't got uh, a dentist 
So um, what do I do about it? I've been on, on the NHS dental waiting list for 18 months now. Now I'm not working. I can't afford Denplan. It, it concerns me. Not only is the, the list actually growing... But the Isle of Man wants to grow the population. I've heard of a lot of families relocating here and have been given an NHS dentist for the whole family. So, Mary in Onken, is that true? Have you heard about that? My son, says Natasha, stopped having school dinners as he hardly got anything and was always hungry. It's crazy. I'd rather pay more as long as my son can actually get fed at school. This has bubbled up from nowhere, hasn't it, regarding school dinners and the size of school dinners. Hmm. I wonder if under the Freedom of Information Act we could find out how much it costs per year for free school meals for teachers. It must run into hundreds of thousands of pounds, says Fran Francis Frankie, whatever your name is, 762. 762. Just go to the government's Freedom of Information page and you can actually do it yourself, Fran Frankie Francis. Find out. Freedom of information requests are absolutely free of charge, and they have to reply to them. Children need carbs for energy, says Sue. It's better to give them nutritious carbs during school meals than have them hungry and filling up on junk and fizzy drinks later. Lunchtime's also the best time to eat a decent-sized meal, says Sue. Ah, but is it happening, Sue? David said, Andy, as many dental clinics went over to paying patients, we had no choice and had to go with and go private. I feel the same should apply to stress-related mental health. The cash needed to fund physical illness has been difficult for many years, so we can't take, it, take on another area. If they're stressed by their job, then they need to change their job and not be paid to hold on to a job that they're unable to do, says David. Uh, I slipped on a pathway in Douglas today. Why doesn't the government provide grit being spread on the pavements for pedestrians during snowy episodes on the Isle of Man? Thank you, says Mary. Anybody else sliding around as well? I was popped to the airport yesterday. There was lots of grit around the pavements on the airport. Uh, Tim Glover's right, absolutely right about this being a cost-cutting exercise. This is the school meals fiasco. Uh, 873 calls it as well. Then to have to listen to Julie Edge say, that um, you know that they do get the food. No, and Keith and Ramsey said surely they get more, more food at the prison than in our old people's homes as well. Uh, there's nothing to stop a council tenant paying to get their gutters cleaned, like you would have to do if you're own in your own property, says John. Uh, I've said this before on the program, says Dick, and Dick says, what have you said on the program before? The simplest way of helping the housing situation, particularly for first-time buyers, is to ban buy-to-let mortgages on properties under 300,000. In the past, we were twice outbid by landlords getting risk-free buy-to-let mortgages which they secure against their last property. They do this time and time again, so half the properties young people can get are sold to greedy landlords over the Isle of Man. Either ban it or tax it, but just stop it, says Dick. No buy-to-let mortgages on properties under £300,000. Thank you, Helen. I enjoy seeing the snowy scenes. What I don't see, like, is a drone hovering and filming into my house and garden. Is that against the law? Thank you, Helen. Good to hear from you, and thanks for your contribution to Man in Line this week. 
Richard Hubbard, Kroger Boss on Monday, and thanks to Chris Quirk today. W I N T.